Welcome to the Informed Pregnancy and Parenting Podcast. I'm your host, pregnancy-focused chiropractor, Dr. Elliot Berlin. My guest today is an actor and fellow podcaster who uses her platform to raise awareness and erase stigma surrounding bipolar disorder. She's come on the podcast to share her personal experience with bipolar disorder in general and in the pregnancy in particular, and her plans for her upcoming birth in the next month or so. Alessandra Torresani, welcome to the podcast. You said it correctly. That was wonderful. I was up all night. All night doing all that research, trying to figure out how do I pronounce this obnoxious name? And you did it. I kept coming up with foods like pastas and things. Yes. 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 You could say my last name is like tortellini. You know, exactly. Every time I think of you, I'm up about four pounds. You're right. You're like, oh, Alessandra. Oh, that's right. Tortellini. Let's go. Tortellini. (laughs) Okay. So let's start at the beginning. You're a fascinating person. I got to know you for about an hour. Um, yes. And I was blown away. I was like, I need another hour. Come on my podcast. And <laughs> you were so gracious to say yes. Let's start at the beginning. Where are you from originally? Sure. I'm originally from Los Altos in the Bay Area, and I was born at Stanford University. So, you know, up north, but I moved to LA when I was nine. So I would say that if anything, LA feels more home to me. I don't really remember or recall, you know, a lot of childhood memories there up north. So this is well, this is my home base. Yeah, NorCal also sounds like a diet food. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you can't grow up in a diet food. Do you have siblings? I am an only child. Well, I think you're more than enough. I think so. I mean, my mom was not planning on stopping. And then I just like came in like a tornado. And she was like, who is this thing singing and dancing all the time? One is enough. Yeah. I mean, I see it. You have a personality for at least two people. I'm a Gemini too. So I think that's probably why. The twins. Twins. Yeah. I wonder which one we have today on the podcast. Maybe I can have. We have a fun one. Okay, good. (laughs) Uh, Next time I want the other one. Hmm. Uh, (laughs) Just a contrast. Uh, So you're an only child. You grew up in NorCal, but you don't really have child memories from there. No, I mean, I do, but I'm just saying enough where for me, my home base, my friendships, you know, the people that I went to middle school with that I'm still best friends with, like everything is here in LA and everyone's kind of based out here now. No family is up north anyway. So we didn't go back and forth, you know, for family holidays. Everyone kind of moved to LA or London or San Diego. So we keep it local or really far away. It's like one extreme of the next. Yeah, seriously. That's quite a drive. Yeah, it's a long drive. drive. (laughs) And then did you guys move here for something specific? For me, actually, you know, we moved here because I had a TV show where I was a host of a kids club up north in the Bay Area in San Francisco that I would record every Saturday. You know, I'd have school all week and then record it on Saturdays. And we decided to try out pilot season and I got bit by the camera bug. And my mom had gone to business school at UCLA. She had gone to Anderson School of Business. So she loved LA and it didn't really matter where we were. So for her, she was like, let's move over here. This is a better fit for the entire family. So many questions. Did you study acting or camera work or anything like that before you went piloting? No, I didn't. Um, I had a teacher, like she taught young students. She was not a youth. (laughs) Teacher of young actors. 
A teacher of young actors. Thank you so much. See, this pregnancy Same brain way. is actually a real thing. No, I mean, I had taken classes and I had, you know, done privates and coaching before I had gone in for auditions, but it was something that I hadn't experienced until I really was out in LA. I mean, is that you? You just love to be somebody else? Yes. You know, I love being other people, first of all. But secondly, I love performing. I was a national jazz and tap champion when I was a kid. Me too. And that's, oh, my gosh. How cute <gasps> is that? We can we, go on tour together and it'll be like could, vaudeville. <laughs> wow. Duet. <laughs> but I did that. And that's kind of how all of the camera, you know, and acting and being bit by the bug happened because I was performing on stage and I had got asked to audition for this kids club where I was a host oh, and wow. I got it out of, you know, a couple hundred kids. There was four of us. And I was like, this is what I meant to do. I meant to be in front of a camera. So any opportunity I could to perform, I would perform. You don't talk about that. No, dad is not in the picture, but dad was in the picture when I was younger. I just don't talk about dad. It's not a bad thing, but no, my parents got divorced when I was like 15, maybe 16, hmm. but he was living up North and then coming back and forth. Like, so we had two places. Oh, I mean, was that hard at 15? Um, you know, I don't think so. But then again, I don't have anything to compare it to. There's a part of me that's like, I wonder what it would be like if my parents separated and got divorced when I was really young. Maybe I wouldn't be so aware of everything. But I was also aware of my relationship with my father and we didn't have a great relationship. So it didn't matter if my parents stayed together or weren't together because our relationship was so strained. So it didn't really matter what my mother ended up doing. If that makes sense. But then you said dad is out of the picture, meaning you don't have a relationship with him now. No, no relationship. No. I mean, if no. it makes you feel any better, I don't have a relationship with him either. Good. I'm glad. I yeah. think it's for the best. It's the second thing we have in common. <laughs> Besides our, what'd you call it? So many jazz. things, Dr. Yeah. Berlin. So many things. I have a feeling people walking down the street just probably can't even tell us apart. Absolutely not. Are you kidding me? You're the one with the smaller no belly. Uh, I, I'm not sure about that. She's really popped. It's really popping. Uh, these burritos are popping too. <laughs> I eat a burrito a day. That's my go to meal. Third thing in common. We are the same person. There you go. How I'm the other that? twin. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you came here for pilot season. You booked a show. I'm trying to think of when I had booked a show. I hadn't booked a show yet, but I had been consistently booking guest spots and movies and continued to work. And then we just decided to come here full time. It just absolutely made sense. So when I was around 11 years old, that's when we permanently moved here from the Bay Area. Do you have a genre that you prefer? Comedy. I love yeah. it. I enjoy doing drama. I, I can't imagine not doing that either. But there's something so special about being able to make someone laugh, especially on a sitcom, because it's instant gratification. Oh, yeah. So and it's theater? like, being did on you a do stage. any theater? You know, I never got into theater, which is so mm. funny. I would love to eventually, but it never kind of fell in my lap, per se. I was never in New York. I never did Broadway. Did Maybe you... in the future. Maybe that's the next step. Stand up. I did stand up when I was younger. I haven't oh. done it in forever. I haven't yeah. done it as like an adult. I did it when I was like young. I feel like it's um, time to bring your stand up back because you're freaking hilarious. Well, I'll tell you, I think the baby is going to be a stand up comic because I have 
funnier jokes. I've never been funnier. I'll say that. <laughs> and I've never had one liners that have been better. And I'm pretty convinced of it that it's because of the baby. And yeah, I don't know. All we'll right. see. One of us will bring stand up back. <laughs> You're the baby. I'm bringing stand up back. Okay. So <laughs> now bipolar. Tell us yes. about that. Where does that journey start for you? The journey started when I was about two, three years old. I would have temper tantrums and not like a normal temper tantrum as a kid. Out of nowhere, I would just be smiling and happy. And it first started when I was on a plane with my mom and I just started banging my head against the window. Oh. And there was no rhyme or reason. She was panicked. Um, when I was five years old, I couldn't cross thresholds. I was such a perfectionist that I couldn't go from one side of the front door of my house to literally the other side of the front door of my house. And I couldn't go into the dance studio. At the time, I had not yet gotten my black belt, but I was in karate in Taekwondo and I couldn't enter the studio. I was so afraid of not being better than the day before. And I ended up going to hypnotherapy. And that saved me when I was around five. That saved my life, truly. And it started to come back when I was about 14 to 15. And I was misdiagnosed, depressed. They put me on antidepressants, which makes your highs higher and lows lower if you live with bipolar disorder. So I didn't properly get diagnosed until I was 21, 22 years old. And I was coming off a show called Caprica, which was the prequel to Battlestar Galactica. Mm -hmm. And an acupuncturist who was someone that I worked with forever had mentioned to me, you know, has anyone ever said you could possibly live with bipolar disorder because you have very similar symptoms to all my, you know, creative clients. And, you know, it was like I was explaining how I would feel like uh, there would be explosions in my stomach of a sense of like a volcano, like erupting inside. I was getting numbness on one side of my whole body. I was getting these migraines. I was getting these feelings. And he was like, this is kind of all what my clients go through. I think maybe you should check it out. And I had a panic attack and I ended up going to the doctor and the psychiatrist said, well, of course you live with bipolar disorder. How has no one ever told you this? So I've been waiting since I was, you know, 15 Ew. and yeah, it was a new doctor. So, you know, it took a long time for me to finally figure out what the situation was. It's not a problem. It's just what it was, you know, and I was medicated and became my true authentic self. Like I felt like me again and not being out of control. Hmm. I mean, how is it diagnosed? Well, the crazy thing is about bipolar disorder is it's one of the last things on a checklist for a psychiatrist to look at, because when you go into a doctor, you're not talking about the highs that you're having and how you're feeling amazing and that you're unstoppable and untouchable. You're going in there talking about you're depressed. You can't leave the bed. You're living with insomnia. I was up for three days straight and it was not bothering me. I would drive for hours and hours on end, just back and forth, not knowing what to do with my evenings. You don't go in with the, I feel amazing, right? Like overly amazing. Mm -hmm. And so that's why a lot of the times bipolar disorder is completely misdiagnosed because you're not going in there with all the notes. And so what I always ask people who feel like they're going through something to always bring in, even when they're feeling their best, 
to their psychiatrist so they know, hey, look at these levels, look at the differences. And that's kind of how it worked. And I think it's very easy to give a 15 year old who's, you know, hormonal antidepressants, right? You know, it's much harder to actually have the conversation and see what's actually wrong with them. And that's the thing about bipolar, right? It, it, there's not a cure for it. There's no. living with it. There's living with it. I mean, I do know a lot of people that do, um, it's basically like a neurofeedback therapy where they kind of reprogram your brain. So there are like new different types of modalities and things like where people are like, oh my God, this works. Sure. It may work, you know, and it's also genetic. So that's a problem too, you know? Right. So you have to know. You can't change gonna... all your genes, at least not yet. Yeah, exactly. And the medication works. The medication works, but you know, it's not something that it's like one size fits all, you know, it definitely has to constantly be monitored and constantly be changed. There were times that I had to up the dosage. There's times I've had to lower other people have to also be on antidepressants on top of the Lamictal, which is what I'm on. And the medication that I'm on specifically Lamictal, which is Lamotrigine. It's also used for people who have seizures, who have epilepsy. And then there's other ones. There's a lot of different types, but it's to whatever mood stabilizes you the best, I like to say. So, I mean, I have a million and one questions, but how does the medication work? What does it do? It balances you. I mean, truly, I think that that's what it is. It balances your brain. It balances the chemicals. I'm picturing like the zone diet. Yes. Like you don't want your blood sugar to go over this or under that. You want to keep it in the zone. Because I know that sometimes what people talk about on medications like that is that they feel number, like it's not extreme highs and lows, well, but then they also don't feel like they feel everything that they want to feel. Right. I think that the reason why me particularly was put on the McDowell, which is also called Lamotrigine, is because it's what's given to a lot of actors and a lot of musicians. It's a type of medication that does not have that numbing feeling. I've had that numbing feeling before with certain antidepressants and other medication. So I'm able to identify what makes me feel that way. This doesn't make me feel like the extreme, oh my gosh, I want to punch my hand through a mirror and break it right now because that's how frustrated I am. You know, it doesn't allow you to that next level, but I will say I certainly feel my emotions. I'm certainly able to cry, you know, on the spot for an audition. I still have those feelings. It's just not the super high. And there still are manic episodes that are involved. Even when you are on the medication, especially when I was on it, I still felt, you know, and had to learn how to control that through other tools. What I'm on is not numbing for me. And I feel like if you are feeling that way, then maybe it's not the right medicine for you. Mm -hmm. Are there side effects that you have? I didn't have any side effects. A lot of the side effects are like rashes and migraines and stuff like that. I'd been on it for almost 13 years. Like I'd been on my medication for 12 years and I never had anything that was truly dangerous that I would say, you know, I noticed my headaches kind of went away when I stopped taking it, but I don't know if that was just hormonal, if that was because of being pregnant. I don't know. You know, that I can't quite say whether it is or not. 
<laughs> well, we're just warming up with you. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll find out about the dude in your life and the impending baby. We'll be right back. Hey everyone, it's Dr. Berlin, and I want to talk to you about something that is close to my heart, literally, omega-3. It's a crucial nutrient that's sadly overlooked. With 95% of women deficient, Needed, the supplement brand I trust, created their brand new omega-3 soft gels. Designed by perinatal experts, they support you and your baby's well-being from fertility to pregnancy and beyond. Unlike other brands, Needed's Omega-3 is sustainable, pesticide-free, and third-party tested for purity. Plus, my favorite, it has a milder taste and smell, perfect for sensitive mamas. Don't wait. Visit thisisneeded.com and use code BERLIN to get 20% off your initial order. Experience the needed difference, consciously crafted for your health and the planet. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Welcome back to the podcast. We're talking to Alessandra Torresani. Ah, the pasta. Okay. Tortellini. Tortellini. All right, let's talk about this. Where'd you uh, meet this wonderful guy? I met my fella, uh, Sturgis, um, another complicated name. I met him at a Halloween party and he courted me for, let's say, eight months. And then I finally gave in. Yeah, <laughs> I had, hadn't been single for a really long time and I was determined to be single and just be on my own and kind of re get my life together in my head and balance myself out. And then when I was ready, kind of everything opened up and I was like, oh my God, why did I never think twice about Sturgis before? Like, oh my God, I'm going to marry him. Oh. And it's been almost eight years. Wow. It feels like when you think of Sturgis, you get more religious because you keep saying, oh my God. I get religious? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he would laugh at that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a dad joke. <laughs> so wait, a Halloween party, what are you dressed as? I was dressed as Lilu from The Fifth Element. I don't know if you're familiar with that movie. I had the orange bob and I had the bandage, like white, like nothing on basically. And he was a demon baby. So, you know, I think that's what kind of threw me off. That's what he was dressed as. That threw me off the first time. The demon baby? Yeah. I, I would have thought you'd be, I don't know why, attracted to something like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay, and then Bruce Willis is who I was trying to think of. Was that a yes, Bruce Willis? One? Bruce yes, Bruce Willis. Yeah, okay. it was. Yeah. Okay, so you finally gave in and started dating. Yeah. The demon baby. The demon baby. Yes. How did the oh. relationship unfold? Like, did you think at the beginning, wait, this could be the one? This could be serious. I truly loved him from the beginning, and I thought he was just the greatest because he was very different than anyone I'd ever been with before. And um, in a way where he was, he's super evolved. Does that mean he's not he, an amoeba? 
Yeah, he's, he's he, exactly. But, you know, he practices like transcendental meditation and he, you know, just is such a reader and wants to know everything that's going on and he absorbs everything. And, you know, I had a lot of judgment from almost all of the men that I dated with my bipolar disorder. So I had made a pact that the next guy I dated, you know, sentence out of my mouth would be like, by the way, I live with bipolar disorder. You either live with it or not, because I was sick of being told, oh, well, you're crazy and you're this. And so I said it to him. I was like, you know, I live with bipolar disorder. And he's like, okay. And what, you know, like he didn't question it. Um, I'm a demon baby. He's like, I'm a demon baby. (laughs) We Uh, all have our thing. He's like, trust me. I got way worse problems. (laughs) Um, But it was just a very adult relationship in that sense where it was still lots of fun, but he really knows how to nurture and take care of me like on a spiritual level that I've never had before. So a deeper relationship. Yes. Much. Yeah. So it sounds like early on, you're like, this is different. I like this. Maybe this is it. Yeah. Yeah. I thought so. We were together for, let's see, we've been married now going on two years on the 4th of July and you know, fireworks, total fireworks. And I don't know, we were just very slow and moved in together and lived in sin. And I was not happy about that. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Close your ears, everyone. Close (laughs) your ears. No wonder why you kept bringing up God when you talked about him. Right. You were not happy about it? Oh, no. I was like, we have to be engaged before we get in a house together, all this stuff. But then I kind of was like, all right, well, maybe I should get to live with somebody first. And it was the best decision that I think we made overall. At the beginning, I was not happy. Yeah, I always it. encourage people to sin whenever possible. It usually pays off. Yes, pays off. It's more fun. Sinners always prosper. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So did you start talking about kids? Is it something you're on the same page about from the beginning? Um, You know, it's funny because I think that I don't, I asked him this question the other day. I was like, I wonder when we started talking about kids. He's like, I don't remember not, not talking about it, you know, but there was no specific sit down. Like, okay, are we going to have children together? I think that it was always an assumption that if we stayed together, that there would be kids and just kind of see when it would happen. But it was never truly a plan. It was never a thought, you know, like, oh my God, I wonder if he's someone that wants to have children. Like it just naturally happened. I think. Does he have siblings? He does. He's a younger sister. Oh, okay. So is that interesting to you? Is it interesting to me? What, in what sense? <laughs> well, I'm saying now you kind of have a sibling too. Yeah. Oh my God. Totally. And her husband's the best. Like we have the best time. Oh, that's great. So yeah, know, I just meant interesting because you didn't have siblings before. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Yeah. Yeah, No, I mean, I feel like it's been a good time. We have fun. Okay. But then before you decided to have kids, you must have been doing something to decidedly not have kids. Yeah, I think once we got married and then the conversation, you know, of when are we going to have children? COVID was hitting. It was like, what is going on? Everything is different. The world looks different. And I also was someone that was told for as long as I can remember that I probably would have a really hard time having kids from multiple doctors. This was not, but no rhyme or reason, like no rhyme or reason. I didn't have fertility tests, nothing. They just would say, oh, well, you've been on birth control so long. So it's probably going to be very hard. Or they would say, you know, 
Lamictal, you know, with living with bipolar disorder, it's really hard to get pregnant and you can't be on your medication because it'll harm your baby. So you have to get off your medicine. So these were things in the back of my head that I had been told for years that I said to him, I was like, okay, well, you know, if we're going to do it, I'm 34 and this is the time to do it. Time's a ticking, you know, and why don't I slowly start getting off my medicine, see how I do, see how I feel. And then if I'm totally fine off it, then let's start and see what happens. And that's what we did. And so I weaned off my medication. To take medication if you need it and still be pregnant, or is that risky for the baby? Well, there's many opinions depending on Ah. who you ask and what doctor you ask. You know, the research in my People Magazine article that came from the University of Massachusetts, you know, it's only a very, very, very small percentage of a chance that a child who had a mother that was on Lamictal would be born with a cleft palate. But then there's no test on what happens X years later. There's no test on what happens with their mental health when they're bored. So there's a lot of things that are up in the air, but it was also something that I was told was not even an option was to stay on it. And not just from one doctor, this is multiple doctors. So it's been a really rough pregnancy in that sense, because when you tell people you live with bipolar disorder and you're off your medication, you get judgment from multiple different sides (laughs) and you get confusion from multiple different sides. You know, I went to a specialist for the baby because they thought that there might be this heart thing and was a great doctor, but he asked if I was still on my Lamictal and I said, no. And he was like, oh, well, you can stay on it. And then he starts Googling something. He's like, actually, I wouldn't stay on it if I were you. You know, so it's like, and my husband's like, um, okay. You know, so the point is, is there's not enough research that's going on when it comes to mental health and mental illness in regards to pregnancy or pregnancy in general with medication. And so that's kind of what I'm here for is to have that conversation through my own experience of the unknown and hearing 20 different million sides of a conversation about, you know, what I should be doing for my baby in regards to my mental health, you know, but then you can't have a Pepto-Bismol because that harms the baby and you can't have a licorice tea because that harms a baby. But then there's no real backed up research other than, you know, a few things here and there. So it's really tricky. I heard if you take Pepto during pregnancy, the baby comes up pink. I would love that. That would be adorable. (laughs) (laughs) That's not true. It was just a joke. Don't go take that. That would be Um, adorable. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And NyQuil. Okay. So, (laughs) (laughs) yes. So was it scary? Like you had been on the medication for so long and it was doing so well by you. Was it scary to get off of it? It was scary, but it was also something that I had prepared for mentally of I'm going to have to do this. So if I am going to do this, not only am I going to have to have my mom and my husband as my witness 24 hours a day watching me. And I had to know that if it got bad and if mania came up when I was weaning off the medication that they would have to put me back on, you know, and I knew that, but I had different modalities that I had set up. I made sure that I did, you know, acupuncture and I made sure that I was eating a proper diet. I did something. We were talking about our podcast the other day, alpha biotics. That's what I did to reset the nervous system. You know, I was doing anything that I possibly could for my mind and my body and my soul. And I practiced transcendental meditation. I went back into my teacher to get realigned and, you know, I was doing everything I could to substitute and that's not for everyone, but it worked mm-hmm. for me. 
does that mean that after you have the baby, there's some sort of thought that you might stay off the medication if you're coping without it or is it? No, I don't think so. I think that, you know, it depends if I'm able to breastfeed or not, because I know women stop breastfeeding and, you know, just do formula and then they get back on their medication and some women stay on their formula. Yeah, not anymore. Um, And then some women do take their medication and stay on their medication while they're pregnant and while they breastfeed. So I think I'm kind of at a point of let's see what happens when the baby comes and if the baby can latch and we'll go from there, you know, play it by ear. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, do you feel a day to day difference now that you've been off the medicine? Um, the second trimester was absolutely the hardest for me, which is interesting because every woman I talked to loved the second trimester and they would giggle and laugh and have a great time. And for me, I was on the verge of having suicidal thoughts and just wanting anyone to just take the baby out of the stomach for five minutes. So I could just scream and punch and just like lose my mind because I was truly having an out of body experience with hormonal you know, rush from the chemical imbalance. And then you don't know, is it because I'm pregnant? Is it because of this? But I was very lucky. I have a great therapist that works with my husband and I, because he's never seen me without medication. So he doesn't know what it's like to handle that. So I've had a personal psychiatrist. I have a therapist and I have, you know, other doctors that kind of just watch and manage me, but never did I have to get back on the medication. So I was very lucky, but it's scary because you don't want to go into your OB and be like, by the way, like, Hey, I hate myself. And I want to like lose my mind. Like you don't want to do that. You know, you have a few minutes with them, you know, the average, they say you see your doctor seven minutes, you know, you don't want to be like, Oh my God. And I tell people this too, you know, I'm in a very privileged situation and life. Most women are not. And, you know, if you go in, whether you're medicated or not into the hospital and say, Hey, I'm not doing well as a pregnant woman. And I would like to be monitored. Someone needs to, you know, check me and make sure that I'm okay. I need help. You know, the state has the right to take control of your body and take your kid that's inside you. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and put you on medication. If you don't really want to be on medication or take you off or adjust or say that you're an unfit mother. So why would anyone want to open up to any you know, like official, like doctor, you know, it's scary. It doesn't become the bigger talking point when you see the tragic effects of unchecked mental illness in general, and especially in relationship to the transition to motherhood. But then, you know, it just feels like there's a bunch of people and organizations spinning their wheels, but not really making major traction. No. You know, learning to early well, support so that maybe you prevent or lighten the effects to recognize early, to intervene early, and, and just the awareness so that it doesn't come to that where someone Absolutely. who's totally unassuming just loses it. And, you know, next thing they're worried about is losing the baby to the government. And a lot of women, um, what I've learned, like through the interviews that I've done, on my podcast this season, interviewing specialists in postpartum depression and whatnot, a lot of doctors have told me that women 
get bipolar disorder while they're pregnant and never had a mental illness before, or they get severe depression or, you know, things that they never had to deal with before. So that's even scarier, right? You're just like, is this a normal pregnancy, you know, side effect? Like, is this what it's supposed to be? You know, is this a symptom? You know, you don't know. And you're ashamed to talk about it, especially with postpartum depression. People don't talk about it enough. I've had friends that suffered through it and family, and I didn't even know because they were afraid to talk about the fact that they had no connection to their baby. Yeah. I just did an interview. It's going to air soon with a person who shared very, very raw, open experiences, but she, in retrospect, had some signs of OCD before pregnancy. And after her pregnancy, you know, once the baby was here, she had harmful thoughts suicidal yeah. for herself and thoughts of harming her baby and yeah. they did like this little mental health email yeah. at her doctor's office and she lied her way through the entire thing because she was terrified that they would deem her take unfit and take the baby yeah so there's got to be more to it than that yeah uh, your work in your podcast and you also bravely sharing your experience will hopefully be one of those enzymes that moves this process forward I hope so. I want to do something for change and I'm still trying to figure out what that's going to be, but this is just the beginning of me wanting to create a larger movement with other beautiful, wonderful parents. That's amazing. Uh, you are going to have your baby soon. We're towards the very end. Yes. Almost uh, 37 weeks. Whoa. They call that term. Term. Yeah. At 37 weeks. If you had the baby, you would no longer be a preemie. Really? I did not know that. That is term. I hear so many different things always, so I'm so confused. So, well, okay. but I hope she bakes for 42 weeks. Whoa, that's my goal. Okay. Yeah. You like your toast crispy? I like it crispy. Okay. <laughs> well, when we come back, we'll find out more about your plans for the upcoming birth. <laughs> Welcome back, Alessandra. I have questions for you about the birth. You're like a few weeks away. Do you have a loose plan for the birth? I do. I actually took a beautiful course and then follow up with someone that you interviewed, Alicia Tamburi, through uh, hypnobirthing. The Jedi. So, yes, the Jedi master. So I will be doing a hypnobirthing birth, but at a hospital. So not an at-home birth, not at a birthing center. I'm still doing it with my OB and everything. So yeah, you sound like, ugh, I would not do it at home and I would not do it at the birth center. I feel like if I did it at home, it wouldn't happen. Like there would be something that I would be bothered by, or I just feel like I need professionals to watch over me, you know, like a lot of people. You get more no. people at home these days than you get at the no, hospital. No, but I get to perform for strangers. You know what I mean? I have a brand new audience that I'm going to oh, get to perform I didn't even for. think about that. I think you should go from room to room at the labor and delivery. And I have to tell you, I'm specifically only having a baby at a hospital because I love hospital socks so much and I'm out of them and I need to go pick up some more. So I, I, that's really why I'm going. I know what to get you for your... <laughs> Hospital socks and some formula, just in case. Okay, yeah. so who's coming? Who's the cast of characters? The cast of characters is my husband, Sturgis, and my mom, Marsha. And you, and the baby. And, and well, yeah, obviously, the stars, yes. Okay, are you going to labor at home first for a while, or are you going to go right away? 
I'm going to hopefully be able to labor at home as long as possible and then go in. You know, today I actually had my appointment with my doctor who was really great on telling me exactly, you know, if your water breaks and this happens, then do this. If your water breaks and you don't go having contractions, this is an issue that we're going to have to talk about. You know, so I have like certain plans like that laid out. But for the majority, I would like to be at home until right then. I don't want to have to also drive there and then them send me back. How far are you from the hospital? About 20 minutes. Not bad. 25. Okay. So are there other people that you would like to labor with you while you're at home or you like it? Tight. No, I like my core group. I like the triangle, the trifecta, you know. Is there a dog? It's, it's, Is there a dog? There are two dogs. They're above me right now in, in oh, a picture. I, I have yeah. Pee Wee Herman and Dottie. So they will be here with me. <laughs> are they the best? Yeah, so, I, I could never give birth, I don't think, with Pee Wee Herman in the room with me. <laughs> <laughs> I think you'd be surprised. He's an essential character. Okay. But I plan on like sitting in a bath and just being there and just like relaxing and then just, you know, breathing through it. I mean, I've heard so many of the birth stories on your podcast that I feel super prepared. I have to be honest because of that. Wait till you hear this one with Alessandra Tortellini. (laughs) Tortellini. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So once you get to the hospital, do you want to medicate? You want to go lighter, heavier? Um, The intention is no medication, but I'm also aware of what it means to pivot in an emergency and that if I needed a C-section or something went wrong or whatnot, that medication and surgery would be the way to go. So I think I like to do it as natural as possible, but that's why I'm also very cautious that things can go wrong. So I'd like to be prepared at a hospital with, you know, my doctor. You know, all that sounds really cool. Like you have a sort of a vision and you have flexibility with your vision for whatever yeah. comes up once the birth ball starts rolling. To. Yeah, I think you have to. It ends better that way. No matter what happens, it's not like you had this rigid plan. And if it didn't go exactly no. according to that, then you're let down. But what is the motivation for wanting a more natural birth, less medicated if things go that way? Um, I'm someone that's very in tune with my body, like in my entire life I have been, and I'm someone that does better, as we said, not numb, right? Just like my brain, not numb. I do better just feeling all the feels. Also, my mom had a natural birth. So I think that that also was something that was always in my head. Not that it inspired me or anything, but I just know what a badass she is and that if she can do it, I can do it. I mean, that means you already had one natural birth. There you go. I'm au natural. (laughs) Are there any things that you're excited about regarding labor or anxious about regarding labor? You know, it's so funny. This just happened to me the past week and a half where we started doing the perineal massage. You and the fella? Me and the fella. And it was so painful and it was like a disaster. And it was awful. And I was like, oh my God, this is going to be so painful birth. And it's weird. I've been so focused on my mental health and making sure that I was as clear-minded as possible for nine months that I didn't even think twice about, oh, hey, like I may be like torn apart, like, you know, jaws and like (laughs) things are going really for the worse and it's a horror movie and 
you know, I didn't think about being the pain because I've been so focused on taking care of my mental, you know, health that it was the first moment where I was like, oh my God, this is not a comfortable feeling, like a feeling I'm familiar with. This is not great. But then I did my hypnobirthing, you know, meditations and affirmations and, you know, hypnosis. And I realized like, you know what? It's okay. I'm glad that I acknowledged that that pain was there, but I'm going to overcome this. So I think that I needed to experience kind of that one moment to know, okay, I'm aware that this is going to happen now. Does that mean that you continue to do the perineal massage and it doesn't have the same sharpness for you? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And it was about, you know, playing like the rainbow, you know, relaxation when I was doing it and certain things to change. And it truly does help. That's cool. I mean, it just means that you have that potential for the other intensities that come up between now and the yeah. time you're holding your baby. Yeah, absolutely. It's neat. You're one of those couples that are cool doing the yeah. perineal massage together. I know that some couples are really not into it. Sometimes she isn't, sometimes her partner isn't, guys in particular. One guy put it to me, he's like, well, you know, she wanted him to do it. He didn't want to do it. And he's like, look, if I need like a prostate procedure, I'm not bringing it to you. Oh my God, that's hilarious. You know, I'll say, I thought that he was going to be so grossed out and weirded out by all the birth videos in our hypnotherapy class. And he was like, this is the coolest thing in the entire world. Neither one of us is like, grossed out by blood or like gore or anything either. I'm a big horror movie buff. Like I love horror. So I thought he was going to be like a little queasy to seeing these like, you know, at home bursts and these water bursts. He was like in the class asking for more. And I was like, put your hand down, sir. They're going to think this is a fetish. Like, you know, all these like strangers. We don't know these couples. Like the guys are like queasy in the corner. And mine is like, can we see more? I'm like mortified. I was like, enough is enough. But I think that, you know, we've been through a lot together. And this is just another fun experience. We like experiencing things together. We have a good time. That's awesome. Amazing. Yeah. Have you worked during the pregnancy? Well, if you consider podcast working, yes, I have. I've continued that up, still doing that at 37 weeks. But I have not been on, in quote, out of quote, a TV show or movie while I'm pregnant. But I have been auditioning and testing and doing things like that up until just a couple of weeks ago, I would say, is when I told my agents, actually, because I kept it really quiet because I'm someone that's superstitious and I was afraid like something might happen. And, you know, so I just didn't tell anyone because I wasn't showing until a couple of weeks ago. But yeah, I did a big meeting where they knew I was pregnant, but they don't start shooting till August. They know that baby will be out by then. So they were like, we don't care, have her audition and come in and be pregnant. So that was a weird experience to have this giant belly, like in front of like 10 suits, you know, you're like, oh, this is interesting. Like, this is different, you know, <laughs> never experienced this, but it was cool. I was not alone in the room. So it was great. <laughs> That's true. You always have a little uh, <laughs> partner. And also for them, it's very safe because you definitely won't be pregnant then. Yes. Yes. Definitely won't be. Definitely won't be. Tell me a little bit about your podcast. 
Yeah, my podcast is called Emotional Support. And it's a funny podcast. It's a little bit of Howard Stern. It's got the, you know, intensity of a doctor show, you know, it's got a little bit of everything. But I've been really lucky because I have a lot of famous friends that all owe me favors. And so they've all come on and been just amazing guests. And they've been able to share their experience about mental health and mental wellness. And in the first three seasons, I had different types of doctors and specialists that would come on and kind of just share. And this season is dedicated specifically to maternal mental health. And so I've been interviewing my friends who are moms, who are currently pregnant. And I've also interviewed you. That was a fun interview. Um, I I had a great time. Yeah, we had a great time. I interview specialists with postpartum depression and, you know, all different types. There's a crystal healer that comes on that talks about a spiritual pregnancy. And she's like literally 39 weeks pregnant while she does this. And then she gave birth like the next week after our interview. Uh, I was like, oh my God, you're so awesome. Like, this is so cool. I've been hoping someone goes into labor during our podcast, but it hasn't happened yet. It hasn't happened yet. Not yet. It will. It will. Watch. It will. Well, look, we still have uh, four minutes to go. We still have four minutes and we don't know what's going to happen. You right never now. Know. You never know. <laughs> but it's been fun. And so it's about really just sharing different stories because that's what I've realized during this entire pregnancy. The one feeling that I would say that I have felt is alone because even though I have an amazing partner, like I've shared There's something about experiencing this and the highs and the lows alone where you don't feel heard and it's really scary. But when I hear other women's stories of what they've gone through, I know I'm not alone. So that's what I'm hoping that I can make that change and bring awareness to, you know, mental illness and pregnancy and just pregnancy in general, that it's a wild ride, you know? Yeah. I think that's a universal description. Yeah. Yeah. So let's do it again. <laughs> WFR, WFR, wild different ride. Okay, so where can we find you online? Oh, you can find me at Alessandra Torasani, alessandratorasani.com. Or if you want to follow the podcast, it's spelt like emotional support. So it's at emotional support pod.com, at emotional support. Anywhere you can find podcasts, it plays everywhere. And leave me a review. I love those. My Uh, ego really gets boosted and I just live for them. (laughs) This girl is nuts. Hold on. I'm just finishing (laughs) my review. (laughs) I take that as a compliment. (laughs) I know you do. That's why I said, yeah, I can't wait. You're coming back, right? To tell us how the whole thing goes down. Absolutely. I'm going to tell every single detail. And remember, I'm a horror movie buff, so (laughs) nothing is going to be left out. (laughs) I can't wait. Actually, you're so animated. Like whatever happens, I know that I'm going to feel like I'm in there on the table having it done to myself. Oh, yeah. Yes. I mean, I'm not sure it's going to be as great as the episode where someone held your head, you know, while they were giving birth and 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 all that. Sarah's and my doctor and your doctor, my doctor. But yes. Just that thing, you know, it could be. I mean, I think you should try to outdo her. Listen, who knows? I definitely want the more people and the more strangers, the merrier it's going to be. It'll be a full blown performance. I love it. I love it. All right. Thank you, Alessandra, for being here and for your time and for the work that you're doing and such powerful people who take their cards and they look at their cards and like, wow, this is a interesting hand and then just turn it into a major winner for themselves and for others. And that's you. So thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah.
And I'm going to see you online there at the Instagram. And we're on there too. If you want more pregnancy and parenting information, visit us at Dr. Berlin, D-O-C-T-O-R-B-E-R-L-I-N.